Do you ever sit back and wonder, where can I listen to the Energy is Love podcast? And the wonderful, beautiful thing is you can listen anywhere. If you have a smartphone, it's the easiest way to stream, download, subscribe, and listen to any podcast. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, got any podcasting app that is out there. All you got to do is search the Energy is Love podcast and it'll pop up. So then you can download, you can subscribe, you can share it. Please share the podcast. Never heard anybody to share things, right? And then you can also listen directly from our website. If you go to energyislovepodcast.com, all the information is there, all the links are there, and you can do it. So do it. On the website, you can also click on the tab up top that says coaching. If you're interested in working one-on-one with me, please reach out. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to chat about what I do. Really, at the end of the day, my goal is to help men in opening up, expanding, connecting more to themselves, to their feelings, to their emotions, really to their life. So many times life seems to just kind of run on autopilot and we survive as opposed to really living. So that's what I do. And I'd love to chat with you. Like I said, go to the website, click on that tab. You can also just contact me directly. Shoot me an email. It's Craig at energyislovepodcast.com if you're interested and you want to find out more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Refinery Barbershop. The Refinery Barbershop, located in Springville, Utah, has been a longtime sponsor and support of the podcast. When I get my beard trimmed, that's where I go. One day down the road when I decide to cut back this fro that typically adorns the top of my head, I'm definitely going to go down and see Stephen at the Refinery Barbershop. Go to their website. It's refinerybarbershop.com. Go follow them on Facebook. If you are interested in getting one of those really old school, classic, good, good, good haircuts, beard trim, straight razor shave, the whole nine yards, this is going to be the place for you to go check it out. Like I said, go show them some love on Facebook, go follow them on Instagram, go to our website if you want so that you can connect to theirs. All that information is there under sponsors on our website, but go check them out. The Refinery Barbershop. On today's episode, the guest is Brad Young. Brad and I uh, used to work together back in the day when I was a police officer. I've known Brad for quite a while. He's been in law enforcement for 15 years, I think he said, something like that. It's been a long time. He's also in the military, so he has served in the National Guard for close to 20 years, I believe, if I remember correctly. You'll have to uh, listen to find out. But it's a fun episode. Brad and I chat about a lot of different stuff, a little bit about his experience in the military as well as in law enforcement. Then we kind of change it up a little bit and get into a little bit of a, uh, we get into a discussion regarding drugs and the pros and cons of legalization and all those kind of different things. I come from the standpoint of legalize all of it. I don't care what it is. It should be legal. We should be able to use and do whatever we want to do because we're adults, right? And Brad's got a little bit different of a perspective. But we recorded this uh, a few weeks ago. We recorded this last week, maybe week before. I don't remember. But at the time it was Police Appreciation Week. And it's also Military Appreciation Month, apparently. And the episode is coming out today on Memorial Day. So... It's a wonderful reminder, even though it's a fun, lighthearted episode, and we do get into some good stuff, but it's a wonderful reminder that 
the men and women that are out there, whether they're police officers, whether they're in the military, at the end of the day, they're just regular people doing the best that they can to do a job that at times is beyond impossible to do. So I'd like to thank Brad for coming on the podcast, and I'd like to thank all the men and women in law enforcement and in the military. But for now, you guys get to sit back and relax and enjoy a wonderful episode of the podcast for the universe with my guest, Brad Young. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. Let's see where it goes. Sweet. Well, this is it. All right. We started. So, um, first and foremost, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. I'm excited. I'm going to fuck with your mic one more time. Again? Oh my gosh! I know I'm so anal when it comes to that's the, all right. That's all right. To the audio of it, it's all in the details, man. It's yeah. all in the details. Have you listened to any of the recent episodes? Um, like like just this week or last week? I've only got two that came out recently. So I was listening to ninety nine. Um, I listened to the one with Jason Spencer and Brandon McCollum. So. And I started to listen to one of them with with you and Steph mm-hmm. having coffee, and uh, and I just didn't get all the way through that. Yeah, so. some of them are long. Some of them are a little long. <laughs> I uh, I like yeah. it though. Like for me, I my goal is to always get at least like about an hour's worth of content. You know, a nice little episode interview kind of thing. Right on. But then uh, if they end up going longer, I just let them go because you get into the flow of conversation. And Yes, you do. Yes, so, you do. Well, what I've been doing lately, and it's only with the past, because we just had an episode come out last, uh, what's today? Tuesday. <clears throat> so it just came out yesterday and mm-hmm. then the week before that. But because um, we went on this like little hiatus and it was just because I was so fucking busy. I didn't have a chance to record and do yeah, stuff. Imagine that. Yeah. Life gets busy. That's weird. <laughs> But what I'm doing from this point on, uh, at the beginning of every episode, I ask everybody the same question. What's that? So you get the same question everybody does. All right. And it's, what form of mental illness do you suffer from? Oh, gosh. Which one? Let's see. <laughs> uh, sometimes I uh, get anxiety about anxiety. That's that's a fun <laughs> one. Start Especially with a kid on the way. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's another life I get to mess up. Yeah, that ramps it up a little bit, huh? Wow, yeah. And between between uh, my wife and I, this will be this will be our six. So that's a lot of kids, man. I mean, you know, that can either be that can either be six contributing members of society, or that can be six burdens to society. It really <laughs> depends on what what. Uh, How old's your oldest? My oldest is twenty, and uh, she's a great kid. Yeah, she's a great kid. I mean, I don't want to. You know, she, uh, I don't want to brag too much, but, uh, she, she's 20. She, she, she did cosmetology in high school and, uh, she graduated early from high school. Um, something when she was a, a, a freshman in high school, I remember sitting down saying, okay, I'm going to take all these hard classes these first two years. Cause the last two years I just want to do, she, she wanted to have fun with high school and I'm like, 
man, you did not get that from your old man because I just wanted to have fun all through high school. Yeah. I didn't want to do any of them, you know. So uh, so she she gets her cosmetology and uh, not to not to put a shameless plug in, but headquarters in Stansbury. Um, <laughs> I better not give any names. She'll get mad at me. She'll be like, Dad, what the heck? Alyssa Young. Um, so, yeah, she's... And she does a great job too. Uh, every time she posts something on Facebook, you know, she'll post pictures of someone's hair that she did or whatnot. Yeah. And I'll get on there. Oh, she does a great job. She does my daughter's hair all the time, which she does. <laughs> she does my 16 year old's hair all the time. Like every other week they're changing color or something. I don't know. But. Yeah. It's cool to watch them grow up. Huh? <clears throat> yes, it is. My oldest just turned 19 and um, like, it's so, I mean, it's just fascinating to see them kind of completely come into their own in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, become adults, become, well, they're not really adults, but yeah, she is. Well, she, they're, they're faking it. I think for the most part, <laughs> like everybody else know, was at that age. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with her. She, yeah. uh, uh, she's got her own place. Her and her, her and her friend got a, got a basement apartment together. She doesn't do half the stupid stuff I did, you know, um, she's, well, that's the mark of a good parent. Is, is that what it is? Yeah, or? like if your kids do better than you did. I hope so. Yeah. I, I hope so. I, I'm I'm very proud of her. I, we we could sit here for an hour and I could sit here and talk about her. <laughs> um but no, she's she's a she's a good kid and I'm very proud of her. Yeah. Very proud of her. So we'll go back to anxiety. So oh, besides anxiety, geez. what else you got? Let's see. Um I've been told this and uh a lot of people seem to think I have PTSD and I, like, I don't see it. If, you know, people just, you know, do what they're supposed to, then we wouldn't have any issues. <laughs> everybody just shut up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially, uh, uh, I'm still in the guard, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, it, it, it's changed over the years <laughs> a lot. Anyhow, um, and, uh, I don't know. Like it's, it's shitty to talk about, right? <clears throat> That's yeah. the whole reason I ask people about it. So yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I tell my soldiers all the time. I used to never understand why every motor sergeant in the army was some crump, some crusty old bastard. And now being the motor sergeant. I know why everyone is a why every one of us is a crusty old bastard. I mean, you know, uh, there's, yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Anyhow, well, the whole purpose of me, because for me, I think that everybody has one form of mental illness or another, and I don't oh, even yeah. like calling it mental illness. I think it's just this big, huge spectrum of mental balance that we all are on and we all, you know, at times struggle in this space or that space. And we kind of slide back and forth along that spectrum. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I have my ways of how I want things done and, and, uh, it doesn't happen yeah. that way all the time. And especially, uh, like, I'll go back to the PTSD thing. There are some things like uh, when, when I deploy, there's some things we'll all talk about. There are funny stories, all that fun stuff. There's other things. Uh, we, we, we avoid those 
all the time. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, I've talked to people about him before and it's just not stuff that I want to talk about. It's, it's, you know. Yeah. It's the shitty stuff that nobody wants to not only talk about, sometimes, but think about and feel and deal with. And sometimes it's not even really shitty stuff. I mean, it's, uh, stuff that shouldn't, should have never happened or, or been, you know, um, I remember we, we were in, we were in Iraq. <clears throat> I hate, I hate meetings. There's nothing that happens in a meeting that can't happen <laughs> in a well-organized email. Yeah. You know, I mean, those that are going to contribute to the meeting, they're going to respond to everybody in the email. Those that are going to sit there and be like, this is dumb, are not going to respond to the email. And then you're not wasting anybody else's time. So, uh, so we're in this meeting and we had meetings every other day and, uh, Cecil Hawthorne, sorry, your meetings were great. <laughs> no. Anyhow, um, he's going to be like, why did you throw my name out? <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so we're in this meeting and, and he says, uh, he says, Hey, the command's really concerned because nobody's really going to, to combat stress, to, to talk about things. And he kind of went on about going to combat stress and everything else. And I'm like, I raised my hand. Of course, I always have a smart-ass comment for somebody, usually him. And uh, I said, how about fob stress? Because in combat, I know what to do. I, I know what to expect there. It's it's when you get back on the fob. You don't know what's going to – you don't know what to expect the next day. I mean – Well, tell the listeners what fob is. What does oh, that stand oh, for? Oh, the uh, – the, the base we were on, the forward operating base. Okay. So anyhow, every, every time you get back, I mean, they want to have a battalion fun run. Well, it was just on a you know 14 hour mission. Running is not going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> um, or meetings or you have to go over to uh, medical to get this done and that done or you know, somebody lost the list of every freaking weapon that's in the company. So everybody's got to take their weapons over and, you know, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's just, <clears throat> I don't know. Well, I think that was the hard one to do. <laughs> I most definitely have PTSD. And I think that it's like anything else where it affects everybody differently and in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not always just the stereotypical thing that we would think of like the Vietnam vet that has flashbacks or something like that. I mean, that definitely is one way that it shows up and manifests. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For me, the way that it kind of, because it comes and goes, I'll go through periods of time where it's more uh, prevalent exactly. and I kind of recognize and see it more. Mm -hmm. And then there's periods of time where I feel like, you know, it doesn't even affect me at all, but it's always really subtle, weird things. Right. And, um, sometimes it's not even stuff that I think about. Um, but I really have to take a step back and look and see what I was feeling at the time or what that, you know, I mean, it's simple stuff like <sighs> fucking driving anywhere. Like if I drive anywhere and I see a cop on a traffic stop, mm -hmm. um, I just pay attention where yeah. normally do you know what I mean? I'm so far removed from police work at this point that like, I don't pay attention to shit. Yeah. I'm not looking out for anything. I'm not in that state of mind anymore that I used to be in with the exception of if I see another officer and if I see another officer, then I start paying attention right. simply because 
You're feeding off of them. Yeah. And I just want to make sure, right? I mm-hmm. mean, there may be that off chance that I'm driving past that traffic stop one day and he's going to need some help for something. You never know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, that happens all the time. And then I'll find myself <clears throat> sometimes where, you know, we'll drive past an accident or even just hearing about shit sometimes is mm-hmm. enough. I don't have to be in the presence of it or drive past it or something like that. And then I'll notice my mood change in just subtle different ways. Yep. And that's gotten better over the years. Uh, like when I very first got out of law enforcement, it was much more um, like prevalent and much more uh, difficult. And that, you know, the way that it kind of showed up and manifested was a little bit more profound. Right. But it's definitely eased off over the years, but it still comes and goes, man. I I, I, wouldn't, I don't even know if it's eased off. I mean, there's some of the... Some of the um... There's, there's some things up front that just, uh, like when I first came back, those things were, those things have eased off, mm-hmm. but, um, oh, fireworks. Wow. That's a, <laughs> I hate fireworks. Does that get you? Does I, that trigger you? You know, I'm sitting outside and it's like, okay, we're going to go outside and we're going to watch fireworks. I'm good. I, I, I know they're there. I can see them everything else. Um, I remember I'd been back for a couple of years I was working, uh, uh, night shift mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve and I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even in fireworks mode. You know, it was, I mean, it's New Year's Eve. I'm, I'm in, let's go find us a, let's go get some drunks off the street mode. And, uh, I was driving up thousand North and all of a sudden this loud boom off in the distance. And I remember I, uh, at first I hit the brake and then I hit the, the gas and I'm already doing like 30, 35 on, which is it's a 35 zone, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I hit the gas and immediately went to the middle of the road and I was, I was getting out of the kill zone, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then I stopped and realized where I was. Luckily, there's nobody on the street because I was in the middle of the road doing like 60, 65. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember pulling over and flipping around. And I just got out of the car. And I just paced around the car for a few minutes. And I'm like, what the heck, man? That, it was a firework, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't an IED. We're good. So... Uh, uh, around that same time, it was middle of the day. I'm cruising in into Salt Lake on 201. I was in my personal vehicle, and this truck comes and and merges onto 201. This is we're in about Magna area, and somebody hit the back end of the truck, and like the fender was popped out, mm-hmm. and it was just different. It was weird. And he comes in and he's going to merge on. It was just a different vehicle that was getting on. And all of a sudden I hit the brakes and I changed lanes and I'm like trying to get away from this truck. Cause it's just, it's weird. It's different. There's, it's not normal. It's, and, uh, I slowed down like 45 people <laughs> driving past me, flipping me off. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Sorry about that. You know, but yeah, it's bizarre. It's those, it's those little things. And it, it's still, little things will still do it to me. Like, uh, 
potholes. Oh, I'll go. <laughs> I'm sitting there all the time, but dodging potholes and manholes and everything. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, just those little things, and I don't know if they'll ever go away. But you know, hopefully, it saves at least the shocks on my vehicles. So, <laughs> how long? Uh, how long have you been in the guard? Nineteen years. I have one more year till I till I till I can pull the plug. Yeah, and uh, yeah, one more year. Can't wait. And then, uh, how many times have you been over to Iraq? Just once. Just just, once. just the one. Yeah, you know, people think you uh, you get in and like they're gonna ship you off to somewhere right away. And I was in from ninety three to ninety nine. That was my that was my first initial. I got out for quite a few years. I got back in two thousand five. Got back in, and uh, man, I had to volunteer to go on that one. <laughs> so I, I get back. I'm like, okay, well, I volunteered to go. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna volunteer the, the the next time. You know, well. If you get deployed, great, you know. Yeah. I, not gonna. There was one time, uh, I was in, I was in aviation, and they were looking for uh, an E five as a, as an E five at the time. And they were looking for him to go to Afghanistan. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll hit both campaigns, whatever, you know. And uh, I, there was there was three of us, three sergeants, and I thought I have a pretty good shot at going. I go home, talk to my wife at the time, and she's like, "Yeah, no volunteering." <laughs> <clears throat> okay, all right. So next time we drill, they're like, "So, so did you give it some thought?" You know, I'm like, "Well, you know, I can't volunteer, but you know, it would really be a great opportunity. They would do amazing things for my retirement, and I'd love the opportunity to." to uh to go with my guys and you know i think i have a lot to offer them and everything else i'm like but i can't volunteer you know because <laughs> i'm nodding my head and uh then one of the other guys he lost his job and you know he had a kid to feed and the wife and everything else and well we're gonna take him <laughs> like okay yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna uh yeah I think he wanted, I think in a sense he wanted to go. He, he'd, uh, I think he had some things from some other deployments too. And he was just like, screw the civilian world shit. Just let me go. Yeah. So it worked out. And but yeah. Can't pick up a deployment unless you like volunteer. <laughs> I don't know what the heck. I don't know what the heck's going on. So, so I realized this week too, and, uh, Obviously, we didn't. Pl I didn't plan it. I didn't think about it because this, you know, we connected, and uh, this mm -hmm. is a great opportunity to be on the podcast and everything. But it's uh, Police Week. It's like Police Appreciation Week. Yeah, and yes, so I'm like, is. oh, that's good fucking timing. Then uh, that is. Yeah, it's also Military Appreciation Month. Is it? I think Nurses Week was last week too. So <laughs> there's something yeah. every week. Mother's Day was just here. Yeah, Mother's Day. Yeah, and neither one of us are mothers. No, but you know, there's that whole. Mother's Day slash single Father's Day, so yeah, I don't know why they just don't call it Father's Day, but so, somewhere <laughs> along, it's like 
like Father's Day is turned into Father's Day and single single Mother's Day. So I figure works both ways. Yeah. You know, equal rights and all that. So, but how long have you been in law enforcement? Oh boy. So I'm working on my 15th year. 15? Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. I was, I was out for a minute. Yeah. I was out for a minute, which is probably a good thing. So I want to know what you think is the biggest misconception, uh, of police work. Uh, so if we look at just the regular average Joe citizen out there, what do they not understand or, you know, like, like just the biggest misconception essentially that you see? Um, cops aren't out to get anybody They're They're not there to like, I don't know. People don't understand how much paperwork is involved with everything and how many people are going to be, uh, looking at, things that have happened and everything else. We're not out to get anybody. We just want society to be happy and enjoy life and, you know, not steal other people's shit and, and, uh, leave people the hell alone. You know, keep your hands to yourself. How many times your parents tell you that? Keep your hands to yourself. Don't take other people's shit. Seems pretty straightforward to me. (laughs) I mean, so, you know, when little Johnny's over there rummaging through people's cars, yeah, somebody's gonna somebody's not gonna keep them their hands to themselves. Uh, if if you're out at two o'clock in the morning in all black with a backpack and no reflectors on your bike, there's probably a good chance that uh, you're you know not leaving other people shit alone. So yeah, cops are gonna talk to you. Not out to get anybody just out to keep the peace and people don't realize that. Yeah. I think that people definitely think that, I mean, it's like anything else where we tend to focus on the negative side of things rather than, Mm -hmm. rather than the positive side. And obviously there's a huge portion of society that, you know, appreciates police officers and all that they do and all that kind of stuff. And, but we tend to think about, you know, the people that think all cops are assholes and right. Right. You know, that law enforcement is such a negative thing. And, and mm-hmm. I think you're right. I don't think that, you know, like if we took a poll, 95% of the police officers across the country, uh, or a hundred, like if we took a poll, 95% of them are going to be straight up good guys oh, that yeah. are simply just trying to do their job, yep. trying to do right, trying to help people. Yeah. Like you said, not out to get anybody. And then of course you're going to have, you know, the outliers in there that are assholes and right. <laughs> shouldn't right. be police officers, but. Well, you know, that's with any profession. I mean, you see all the memes about the the uh, the guy from, was it Office Space, the boss, holding mm-hmm. coffee? Yeah, if you could uh, work the rest of your life until you freaking die, that'd be great, you know? <laughs> there's people in every profession. You, there's no one that's immune to it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, and I tell people this all the time, uh, I've been going to school for a long time. <laughs> Hopefully I have my master's here pretty soon. Uh, that's I have three classes left. Oh. <laughs> Man. Anyhow. Um, and, and it seems like in every class, there's always that discussion about, about that. And, uh, I don't even know where I was going with this now. Crap. Discussion about like 
cops being an asshole or out to get people or that cops are bad in general or yeah i lost it <laughs> <laughs> i ended up talking about myself and you know that's it but what about no. for you like what's the biggest um <clears throat> back in the day when you started what's the biggest misconception that you had about it where you didn't realize oh shit this is more you know the reality of what it's really like um cops have to do well that's where i was going with it let me get back to that mm -hmm. that one point. So we police are the face of government. We we are the face of it all. I mean, when was the last time you saw uh your senator walking through the grocery store? You know, if you want to get a hold of your senator, you want to get a hold of your representative, you, you want to get a hold of the president. You want to get a hold of... Well, you just got to tweet the president, but... <laughs> true, true. But I'll tell you right now, he's not going to, he's not going to, you know, fly down here in Air Force One yeah. to, to sit down and have a chat with you. I mean, he might send the Secret Service, depending on the message you send, but, you know, <laughs> when's the last time you were really able to talk to the mayor or talk to city council or... Anything like that. If it's a public forum, yeah, you can raise your hand and everything else. But police are the face of the government. When people think of the government, we are the easiest, most accessible. So, yeah, they're going to take out their frustrations. And we don't show up because everything's hunky-dory. I, uh, I can't remember the last time I was ever invited to Sunday dinner because everything was good, you know? I been invited to Sunday dinner because, you know, the brother <laughs> threw the turkey at, at uh, his other brother and mom got upset and dad beat the heck out of everybody. And you yeah, know, people I, aren't calling for you to come no. over and like, Hey, uh, we just want to let you know everything's okay. Right. Uh, we're doing really well. Family's happy. And, uh, I love my neighbors. And <laughs> right. I mean, they're upset. They're the, the these are intense emotional times when we show up mm -hmm. and we're the face of government and i don't know about you but a lot of people i know aren't necessarily happy with all of government so yeah we we get the brunt of it because we're the face of government yeah you know um i think it's an easy focal point for people so anybody in general yeah. you know like people that not just with the government, but maybe they, you know, they hate fucking society or they hate that, you know, the, the raw deal that they've gotten in life or they think that they have. And, and we represent all of that. Yeah. All of that is tied up in us. I mean, you could put, you could put a big bubbly rainbow that's like on my shirt, you know, <laughs> bright, happy colors on the side of police cars with, you know, 15 different colors of the rainbow to... And instead of a siren, play some happy music to get them to pull over and they'll still be upset because yeah. that's what we represent. You know, I mean, we could show up in bright blue leisure suits with, uh, you know, a clown nose on or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and people are still going to be upset because that's just the nature of everything we deal with. Yeah. We show up when people are not at their best. So what was your biggest misconception of your, like, you know, for you personally getting into it? Um, we deal with everything. We're social workers. We are 
um, litter control for the roadways. We are, you know, people call people call the police to pick up dead animals. I'm like, I don't remember there being a part of my patrol car that I can put dead animals in. I mean, um, they call us for everything. And we're, to a point, expected to help with everything. And a lot of those things we are not prepared for. We, I'm not a psychologist. Well, so know. many of the things, like, I think, because <clears throat> that's the same thing for me, right? You know, mm-hmm. I think initially you think you're going to get in, then you're going to do, not just do good and help people and fight crime and do all these fun things right. that you kind of aspire to do as a police officer. Mm-hmm. But that's maybe... 40% of the job, 50 even, you know, if we're like really pushing it. I don't even know that you could go that high. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we're supposed to have the answers to everything. I mean, you know, people call, uh, and this is just a, a general thing, you know, my boyfriend took my kid and I don't know where they went and he's not answering his phone. Okay, well, so is, is is boyfriend the father of the kid? Well, yeah, but he hasn't paid a dime. And uh, let's back up here. Is he on the burst? Well, yeah. Do you have any custody in place? I mean, has the judge said you have custody of the of the child or anything like that? Well, no. Well, I don't. He has rights to the kid too. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, the whole civil thing. Like, I didn't even really know what the hell a civil problem was until I became a police officer. And that, like, blew my mind how often things boil down to just that, where we have no role to play as a cop. We don't have the ability to decide one way or the other. At the end of the day, it's a fucking civil problem between two parties. It is. It's it's a civil problem, and we don't have any authority. It's not that we don't want to help. It's not that we don't want to, you know... It's not that we don't want to help resolve the situation, but I can't say, hey, you, give kid to her, because he has rights too. Yeah. And, you know, who who might say who a kid gets? I mean, that that's for a judge to say. If the judge says, hey, here's a, here's a writ, remove that child and give it to the other one, okay, that's what we're there for. But, yeah, and... That translates from where we're at as police officers to, you know, the post on Facebook from mom and and everything that her friend says, oh, the cops don't do anything. Yeah. Well, it's not that the cops don't do anything. There's this little... Yeah, my boyfriend kidnapped my kid and the cops won't do anything about it. (laughs) No, no. The, the, The kid's dad has the child and is doing whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, now if it's illegal, then yeah, we have issues, but you know, taking the, taking your child to Lagoon for the weekend or going to see, you know, family and visiting for a week is not kidnapping your kid. That's, you know. Yeah. I hate that simple shit. Um, that stuff used to drive me nuts because there's yeah. no solution and nobody wants to hear what you're going to tell them. No, no, they don't. And th- that just translates into the cops don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that the cops don't do anything. It's that... Um, like literally you, no authority to do anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, heck, you might as well, you know, call a firefighter to to uh, 
I don't know, replace the transmission in your car because there's <laughs> two different things going on here. You yeah. Know? So, and I don't try to, I don't want to have a jaded, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm jaded towards that, but, um, uh, and again, as a cop, you have to sell and, and, and try to help them understand that you don't have that authority. You can't do that. I, you know, at that point, people just shut down and you're, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say anything to make them happy at that point. And not at all. No. Not at all. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask other... you. Oh, go ahead. Why did you, like, why the fuck did you get back into it? Um, well, I got out. I had almost 13 years in. Mm -hmm. So I've only been back in a little bit. Some people are just built to serve others. And there's other ways to serve people. I don't think I fully appreciated that. But, um, well, well so what, after I left Willow City, I went and, and, uh, worked for a trucking company for a minute as a mechanic. And, man, yeah. And then I got hired full time with, with the guard for a little bit. And, um, Nice not having stress. <laughs> I'd come with my 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 wife's a nurse, you know, and <clears throat> she'd come we'd come home and she's like, "So what did you do today?" And I'm like, "Well, the boss decided he needed to go to Draper for the day, and you know, so there was that. <laughs> that was the highlight for the day. That was about it. So, um." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, or, you know, we'd get a, we'd get a, I worked full time as a mechanic for the, for the guard, because that's what I do in the guard, and um, don't necessarily like mechanicking, so do not call me, I'm not for hire at all, <laughs> you can't afford my rates, trust me, the uh, shop down the street will be much cheaper, um, but you know, we get a call that, hey, there's there's some vehicle up in Ogden that needs to be towed. And it's like, perfect. <laughs> get out of the shop. I like to play with the wrecker. I'm not going to lie. That was, that's, that's probably the one thing in the guard that, that I uh, always enjoy is, is uh, playing with the, playing with the wrecker. I, yeah. Hands down, that that's what I did in Iraq. I just drove a tow truck thousands and thousands of miles, you know. And uh, so, but that was that was like the highlight. I mean, the most stressful thing I had to do was keep track of my tools, you know. Yeah. And there's one other guy in the shop, so pretty easy to figure out whose tools what, you know. <laughs> I mean, so do you think there was some part of you that just like... <clears throat> I mean, not necessarily, because it's not like police work is always exciting. I mean, granted, there's no nope, excitement involved and things like that periodically. But, like, did you just need more to do? Like, more, do you know what I mean? Something, like, more, like, worthy of your time, right? Yeah, that's exactly, like I say, some people are just built to serve others. I mean... That's, I think that's why I picked law enforcement in the first place was it, 
it was just a way for me to serve others without, um, you know, burning to death or, you know, um, I, I don't think I'd do very well in the medical field. I'm pretty sure I, the blood's okay and all that fun stuff. I cannot stand like a, like an ankle pointing the other way. It's like, <laughs> oh, that's not right. That looks like it really hurts. Did you just lay there and wait until the EMTs get here? Because, yeah, wow. Whew. But uh, so the medical field is not, it's probably not for me. And uh, see, I could never imagine. Like, I remember when I got fired and then everything afterwards and sitting there trying to think like should i try to go to another agency should i try to do this should i try to do that should i try to stay in law enforcement for a while i thought about it but then it was like the further more time that passed i'm like there's just no fucking way like i have no desire to go back to the the environment that you have to live in and exist in in order to be a good police officer so many people so many people and and we're not just talking like a couple of close friends or whatever. Uh, I don't know if you know me. I'm Brad Young. I'm kind of a big deal. A lot of people know me. Yeah, we've met before. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Dude, why did you leave? Dude, why? 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 You need to get back. I'm like, you know, you, you were one of the good ones. You, you know, that asshole Salazar. I'm glad he's gone, but <laughs> you need to get back in. I mean, it was... There was a lot of that. Yeah. There was a lot of that. I, uh, so when I get, I had a plan. I had, I had a pretty good plan, I think. I mean, you know, a good plan executed today is, or a good plan violently executed today is much better than a great plan executed next week. So, um, I got my, uh, I got my real estate license and I, I had a plan. I, I was still going to be able to retire after 20 years in the guard because working as a mechanic, you work, you have to be in the guard, but you're a civil service tech and you can't retire till you're 60. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I didn't uh, No, that was no bueno. So, uh, I, I had a plan of how this was all going to go. I needed, I needed to stay there. I needed to pay off a few things. Um, I left Willow City. It was amongst a divorce and other things, and it was a bad thing. So, uh, I so many people just sat there and kept telling me, saying to me, "Dude, you need to go back. You need to go back. You know, you were one of the good ones. You, you know, were there, genuinely help people. You were they guys that were still in, you know, still cops, still in law enforcement in one way, shape, or form? Some of them." Some of them were, yeah. some of them, obviously, obviously your mother's always going to be <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad. It's funny. My, my, my dad is not the, uh, uh, emotional type or anything like that. But right after he says, Oh, thank God. I worry about you every freaking day that you're out there. And I'm like, he was the only one that was like, go do something else. I don't care. Just, I'm glad you're not doing and yeah, a lot of people kept telling me, I thought, you know, I think it becomes such a, uh, like I talk to guys now that are still in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they can't even 
like fathom what else they would do, right? And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? Like, you know, if you if you weren't a cop today and you tomorrow could go do whatever it is that you wanted to do, and they can't even like, I don't know. I don't even know what I would do. Like, this is what I do. This is what I am. And I think it becomes such a defining characteristic of how you not just define yourself as a person, but kind of your life, right? Your reality, in a sense, is defined by your job as a cop because it dictates so many different aspects of your life. Mm -hmm. And so it's like very, I think it's just super challenging for guys to think like, what would I do besides this? Because this is just what I do. It's so ingrained in who I am. I think... I think I was I was actually able to pull that away a little bit mm-hmm. because I don't know. Be I've been in the in, in the guard like I said since I was eighteen. I've been in the army since I was eighteen, and I was out for a little bit. But even when you're out of the military, you're still a soldier. You're you're still a marine. You're still an airman. You're still a sailor. You know. I don't know about the Coast Guard. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Love, I, I love the Coast Guard. Um, so, I mean, I have I have veteran buddies. You know, the, the <laughs> even though their retirement papers say Department of the Army, yes, then they're still Marines. I mean, right, Cecil Hawthorne. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I think. I think I have that and that sticks with me. So when I did leave and I was out for a little bit from law enforcement, I wasn't a cop. I, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it would be, uh, uh, having that experience. I don't think it would be as hard to leave. <laughs> I think I could find something else to do. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, I was forced into that. I was kind of pushed into that position of having to do that, and so I, I think I can. I, I don't, and I have a wonderfully supportive wife. Uh, so, um, if I told her, "Hey, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go be a rodeo clown," I, I think she'd go buy me a red nose. You know. So, yeah. Would you, like, would you uh, recommend any of your kids to get involved in law enforcement if they came to you and they said, hey, I think I want to be a cop? Would you try to encourage them or would you try to steer them away from it? Hmm. Like if we remove the whole caveat of they're adults and they're their own, you know, person and at the end of the day, you just want to love and support whatever choices they make and blah, 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 all that shit. But like, do you want one of your children to have to go through the experiences that you've gone through in a sense? No, I don't want... As a police officer? No, I do not want my... Straight up, I I don't want any of my kids to be cops. Yeah. Um, I I don't remember, like, (laughs) between my two oldest, the 20 and 16, I used... I tease them all the time, you know? Hey, when you're 18, man, we'll we'll head down to the recruiter's office. I don't want you in the army, but I think the Air Force would do do your wonders, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, 
I, I, I tell them that all the time. My 16 year old gets really mad. I am not joining the Air Force, Dad. Yeah, come on. You're like, you know, your sister didn't. Come on, <laughs> you know. I thought, I, thought, I thought you were daddy's girl, you know, stuff like that. I, I don't want her to join the military either. Um, she, for the longest time, she didn't have a plan. And now she has a plan. So I, I, I want her to stay focused on that. And I, I'm, I'm still going to tease her because I'm dad and that's what I'm supposed to do. My, my two boys, uh, they're 14 and 13. And no, I don't want them to be cops. Um, if, if, to a point I could see my 16 year old, uh, later on wanting to be in law enforcement. And if she did, I would say, you know what, first, uh, first go get a four year degree in criminal justice. And then try to get into law enforcement. You'll have so much debt that you won't be able to afford to. <laughs> so, you know, just get a minor in criminal justice, but, you know, get an MBA or something. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. Have, did you take any college classes? No. I, I think everybody, before they try, before they even think that they want to be a cop, I think they should have an associate's degree. Why? Like, what's an associate's going to do in regards to, other than you're going to fucking make more money right out the gate, typically, but. Well, I think, I think as a, as a, in your, somebody in your 20s, mm -hmm. especially some of the younger ones that are 21, 22, and they start trying to get into it, I think if you have an associate's degree, about the first class or two, when all you do for that whole class is read about case law and you start understanding that, you know, those few sentences of the fourth amendment create volumes of case law. And you have to remember that, you know, it's, it, it's not like, um, yeah, there, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think by having an associate's degree, you might understand a little bit more how the law works. And people say, man, if somebody's stealing my shit, I just want to shoot him in the back. Oh, well, have you ever heard of uh, this case? Have you ever heard of this case? Did you ever hear about this guy that died on death row because he did that exact same thing? I mean, you can't do that. The courts tell you this. So I, I think if you go into it with an associate's degree, you'll have a better understanding of the law. And I think a lot of people might actually be deterred. Yeah. From doing it. I think it should be, <clears throat> I don't think you should be able to be a, become a police officer until you're 30 years old, because I think life experience itself is going to aid you in the process of being a cop. Like you think about the, the guys that are like in their early twenties yeah. who are still dumb as a box of rocks. Mm-hmm trying to get out there yeah. and enforce laws and deal with situations and experiences that they have no conceptual idea of the reality of what, you know, I this was, experience is. I was 27 and I was dumb. Yeah. Uh, I would say 25. T 25 should be kind of the... Uh, yeah, but even at 25, like I remember myself at 25 and I was yeah. like in no way, shape or form could I be a police officer at that point. Uh, I think you should have to be 30 and then I think it should be a 10 year career. That's it. So then after 10 years, well, you get out this, you know, they changed the retirement not too long ago. 
Didn't they, they upped it though, right? To like so, 25 or something? So they upped it to 25 and they get like 37 and a half percent at 25. Yeah. And you know, they're going to have a couple ex-wives along the way. So, you know, they're going to get like 10%, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, whatever. But, but 25 uh, years in law enforcement 20, is just asinine. That's dumb. That's dumb. The, uh, uh, 20 years, 20 years is doable, but they have a, it's called a hybrid now. And I think everybody in the state of Utah that gets into law enforcement these days should go with the hybrid. There's less that goes into your retirement account and more that goes into a 401k. And I think that's, I think that's exactly what we should have been doing all along. Yeah. If you're going to get rid of the 20 year, it's like after 10 years, you get whatever percentage you've earned at 60. And I think from four to, from four to 10, you get it at 62 or something like that, whatever percentage you earn, which is a good thing. Um, and I'm glad they have that, but, um, I, I have to wonder if, if at some point there's a lot of people that stay simply because they have to make it to 20. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that do that. And that's a terrible reason to stay in a job that fucking destroys parts of your soul. <laughs> yeah, it does. It yeah. does. I mean, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember the first couple dead bodies I went on and I knew that was going to happen. You know, that that's part of being a cop. That, that yeah. right there, that's part of being a cop. There's no. Yeah. Dead bodies. You're going to, whether you're the rookie or whether you are 30 years into it, dead bodies are part of it. Just, I didn't know that going in. Oh, like that man. was something I was completely oblivious to. And I bet sitting right here as we're talking about this, you remember your first dead body. I do. I do. I remember mine. I don't want to talk about it because, you know, I respect for them and everything else. But, uh, and I, <laughs> I have some pretty funny stories about dead bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody does. It's, you know, um, but see, that's the, but there, some people may not find them funny Yeah, because it's death isn't funny. It's, it's how you deal with that death and some of the things, you know, that happen like, you know, you show up to somebody that passed away or whatever and you're doing CPR and maybe, you know, they had a full belly and it come back up and, you know, there's always the rookie over there or it could be the veteran who knows then <laughs> just has a gag reflex and he's over there hurling one of this, uh, you know, that those things happen. And, and we tend to make light of them because that's how we deal with them. Yeah. That's the coping mechanism. Oh yeah. In order and, to move through those experiences. Boy, there's a lot of coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, law enforcement stuff, it really is. And you know, it's not for everybody, but then again, you know, Driving a truck isn't for everybody either. So sitting behind the desk isn't for everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know either, man. I wish that, I wish it was different. I wish we, first I wish like in the very like utopian way of everything's beautiful and wonderful and the world's full of love that we didn't need police officers, but obviously we do to some extent and in some way, shape or form. And I just wish the, the, you know, the experience of being a cop and the the career of law enforcement, I just wish it was different. I wish it didn't have, you know, 
it's too, when I say it's too hard of a job, <coughs> I mean, the reality is it is, it's, it's just too hard of a job for one person to do. It is. And it so is. the, the, the extent of everything that a police officer is required to do as a police officer mm-hmm. is just too much. It is. And so I think it needs to be, you know what I mean? We need to have police officers for this set of issues. And then we need to have something else that we call something else mm-hmm. to do this set of issues and all these different things. Because like I said, it's just too much for one person to do. Yeah, that is. Um, the, the, uh, I wish I had the answers for, um, some answers that I do think that I have, nobody's going to like those answers. So, you know, <laughs> people always say, oh, America puts so many people in prison. They put more people in prison than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Cause half of them just shoot them. Okay. And yes, we have a lot of, well, <laughs> actually the whole United States has a lot of shootings in a year, not necessarily police involved. Actually, those are very, very, very minimal. If you look at the statistics, if you got rid of a couple of states, we'd be like bottom of the list for shootings. But um, we uh, we're the freest country in the world. People may not think we're the freest country in the world, but uh, when you've <laughs> when you've been to a place where. I mean, the rich people, and I mean the rich, the top rich people of of that area, they have floors. Everybody else walks on dirt. Like, when you've been to an area like that, um, when you get, when you give a kid in, in Iraq, when you give them an MRE, um, and, and you see like 15 kids tearing into it. Yeah. They can't eat all that. I like being in the hospital and puking <laughs> for the next, like they'll have diarrhea and there's no way they can eat all that. They, they just don't have, that's not their society. I mean, they, and the, like, I remember I'd have a bag full of, of cookies and chips and a case of MREs and, couple of cases of water and I'd grab those every mission we go on and uh you get to the checkpoints we ran at night so you know kid was out he was a that guy actually but you go through these checkpoints and these these Iraqis uh Iraqi soldiers Iraqi police and we just start shoveling stuff out to them you know because they don't have anything and they're going to be on that checkpoint for like a week if they live yeah. you know and so we give them this. They don't have that. I mean, back at the back at the, at the fob, there's like a mountain of cases of MREs, and this guy's you know twenty miles off of the fob, and he's starving. And we're on the same. Allegedly, we're on the same team. So, yeah, we have so much in this country. We are the freest country. We are the richest country in the world. And the only way we can be a free society and have the freedoms that we do and have the, uh, the things that we do is when people don't conform to our rules, 
to society's rules, you lock them up. You take them, you take the freedom away, you lock them up, and you, and that's what that that's what we have to do. It's not that we're trying to be mean. You just have to abide by society's rules. We are the closest country to anarchy in the world. You think so? Yeah. We are the closest to, uh, I should say we're like the closest civilized society that borders on anarchy. And the further we move back from that line of anarchy, the harder it is for our country to, to operate. That's when our GDP drops. That's when our economy drops. That's when the closer we get to that line of anarchy is that the better off the country as a whole is people have jobs when we're there. Um, people have good times and it has nothing to do with any political party or anything else. But the closer we are to that line, the better off we are as a country, but we can't go over that line. And that's where the police are there. That's why the police are there. And people say, we got to do something about the prisons. You're right. They are bulging at the seams. Let's build more. (laughs) See, I don't think building more is the answer. Uh, I do. I think we yeah. have to change up some of the things that we actually criminalize. Like what? Drugs. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's we'll, asinine. We'll, we'll get on this one. I'll, I'll, I'll go with this. Um, there was prominent people in my childhood that uh, they smoked weed. Mm-hmm. And that weed moved on to cocaine. And uh, I'm not going to say bad things happened in their life at that, at that point. But nothing advanced in their life either. Um, it wasn't until there was actually a drug bust. And this is back in the 80s. There was actually a drug bust. And a bunch of people went to jail. And this prominent person in my life wasn't a part of it. And they lucked out. And that's when they're like, okay, maybe I need to stop doing this. You know, that was their wake-up call. That I mean, these were... Uh, these were people that worked at, at Twill Army Depot and they had good jobs and they were veterans and they had benefits and they, you know, all these things. And then when you don't show up for work because you're sitting in jail, you lose your job and they're not going to hire you back at the depot. And back in the eighties, uh, that was it. Yeah. You, you know, so, uh, this person stopped doing that. I'm not going to say they stopped smoking weed. But bad things happen to you. And See, should, I think... should should drugs be... I think there still needs to be a criminal element to drug possession. However, what society's done is made cops be like, hey, this is your problem. And no. No. It, it, it is a public health problem. I, I think mean, it is too. You are not, but I don't think drugs are the cause of it. You are not gonna. You are not gonna have somebody quit. Somebody, you're not gonna force someone to quit doing drugs. They have to want to. Mm-hmm. Just like somebody that want that smokes, you, they have to want to. Somebody that's an alcoholic, they have to want to. I don't care what you do. You can take away all the alcohol and the access to alcohol. They're gonna be throwing bread and fruit and anything else in a toilet and trying to you know suck it through their teeth that's just uh, that's the way it goes 
I mean, if somebody's addicted, they're going to want to feed that addiction. Um, I don't think we have enough, uh, I don't think we have enough mental health workers in this, in, in this country. See, that's what it boils down to me, for me, because I think that drugs aren't the problem. Addiction is the issue and very, you can be addicted true. to anything mm -hmm. and addiction is a coping mechanism yep. for something that you can't deal with. Right. And typically it's childhood trauma. Typically it's. Um, I mean, it's any number of different things, right? It's not mm -hmm. just childhood trauma, but it's, it comes back to mental health. How many guys have you arrested that were addicts, right? Mm -hmm. That were either slinging dope or they had, you know, the little baggie in their pocket or you, the, the guy that was out cruising around breaking into cars at night is just trying to feed his habit. That's And he's addicted to whatever he's using, whether it's meth, mm -hmm. heroin, or, you know, whatever the case is, but it's really just a coping mechanism for the fact that his life is fucking shit. It and is. it's miserable and he's depressed and he's sad and he's full of anxiety and God knows what other kind of issues he struggles with. Mm -hmm. And this is just simply the, um, the coping mechanism. And so I don't think drugs are the issue. I think the addiction and the mental health is the issue that needs to be addressed. And in yeah. my mind, if we just legalize those so that we no longer have to worry about criminalizing people for an addiction issue, then we can siphon all the money from legal pot sales or legal heroin sales or whatever we want to legalize into funding and building up the base for mental health in the country so that it's no longer a stigma attached to it so that it's no longer difficult to get help so that it's really, really, really fucking easy to go talk to somebody at some point so, in your life. I agree with part of that. Um, <laughs> how many, how much do we have to compromise our values of society before we uh, stop and say, no, we're done. We're done. And, and I'm not saying that, that, uh, I'm not saying that, that a lot of things that we've compromised our values on a lot of things, but it seems, it seems to a point we, we kind of have. Um, I mean, I won't get into whether I agree with, with legalized marijuana or not. Um, I think more research needs to be done with marijuana. Heroin? No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, I can't buy off on heroin. Um, I did CPR on a four-year-old who, uh, got into mommy's methadone because mommy used to put it in a, in a, in a jug and he got into it and overdosed, <clears throat> but I can't buy off on that one. I've never done CPR on anyone that's ever overdosed on marijuana. So we, 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 we could have a, uh, we could have a conversation about that one, but other than that, I, I, yeah. Well, it's a hard pill to swallow, right? Oh, because boy, it's a hard pill to swallow. Marijuana, you know, is becoming more and more accepted. And like you said, like you can't technically overdose on marijuana. Like we never had, you well, definitely never, had people tripping balls on it. Well, I've, I've never seen anyone overdose on marijuana. I've never had to deal with anyone. Yeah. Over. However, um, the marijuana of the seventies is not the marijuana of today. There's, Whew. 
They, yeah, there's a big difference between it big now. Big difference, big difference. I mean, so... I think before we start legalizing marijuana, though, we we need to have we we need to we need to figure a few things out because nobody really nobody independently does research. Yeah, they do. There's plenty of independent researches, you know, studies and things like by, that. By who? I don't know them off the top of my head. So 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 by the biggest reason we have universities doing research is because they're more independent. They. They really don't care if they prove it or not, uh -huh. you know. Um, yeah, I look at just, look at what legal weed did for Colorado. Um, like DUIs dropped. Yeah, because their laws changed. <laughs> their laws changed in what way? Well, now it's legal. But how how much marijuana can be in your system before it's before you impaired when you're driving? Yeah. How well, much? That's, it's different for everybody, right? Uh, well, no. Well, I could smoke a joint and I could be safe to drive and I wouldn't be impaired. Are you sure? I don't. It depends on the, I mean, because there's no a research, ton of different factors. Because there's no research to say what is and what isn't. I mean, there's plenty of research. And one thing, went to this, this uh, training not too long ago, and one of the things they talked about was you know, BAC is not, you can't compare alcohol and marijuana. There's, they're two different substances. You cannot, you cannot compare those. There's volumes. I mean, there's a book of just DUI. Stuff. I remember. <laughs> there's, there's a book. We're not talking. Yeah, it's not a pamphlet. No, it's not a pamphlet. And we're talking a book for cops. Uh -huh. Can you imagine what the lawyers have? I mean, remind me of that issue because that's another issue I want to hit on as to why somebody should at least have an associate's degree. <laughs> but since we're on marijuana, there just needs to be some more research so we know exactly where our lines are and where they're not and what exactly uh, is the good... Because did you know that there's good fats and there's bad fats? <laughs> yeah. When I was growing up, that there was bad fats, okay? Yeah. It's like, everybody's like, oh, red meat's bad for you. I know, but it's delicious. So that's the way. So what if know. it's the same thing with marijuana, where it's always been demonized in a sense, and, you know, in the way that it's not healthy for you, and it's not beneficial, and it's going to fuck up your life, and it's a gateway drug, and what if that's all the old information that we were fed over the years? When in reality, it's the complete opposite. It's a good fat. It's a good fat that we all should be taking, and it's a good fat that we should all be so incorporating into like our life. Four hundred eighty some odd substances in marijuana, in in a marijuana leaf, and some of those substances are good substances, and some of those are the bad substances. Which ones? Which though? Uh, big thing is what is this, C CBD oil, mm -hmm. is that, which is an extract from marijuana, and it's legal everywhere. Um, I've heard of of uh, older people that it's helped with joints. They don't hurt as much. They, you know, drop a few drops in their coffee in the morning, and they and they drink it. And um, I know uh, somebody has been 
putting a few drops uh, for their dog, and their dog actually doesn't like get up and creak and hurt every time he gets up. And and there's research being done with this because it is that legalized substance that they can do research with. So, um, I think that's a uh, that's a great thing. I think you're probably going to find out later on <laughs> CBD oil is that substance uh, in marijuana that is actually going to have those properties of um, <clears throat> helping and healing. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's a good thing. I don't think we should restrict stuff like that. Um, however, if you're high, don't drive. And people drive. That's the problem. Yeah, but people drive you know, regardless. They drive like, drunk. They, they drive. drive drunk uh, on pills, like totally legal substances. People are still out driving and fucking up. They, they are. And so... And it's like... Drugs have nothing to do with that. Marijuana has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the personal, you know, choice you, of but, that person. You can st- true. And that's why I think there needs to be more studies as to at what level are you impaired to drive. So... Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say, "Hey, let's legalize this stuff," and you know, to a point, yeah, let's stop, let's stop putting drug, let's stop putting drug users in prison. However, when drug users break into your house and they steal your shit, then let's put them in prison because that's burglary. Yes, for me, it's <laughs> for me the root cause is it's the, not the drug. It's right. not, do you know what I mean? The person that's going to go to that place in their head where they think that, oh wait. Maybe, the, you know, because undoubtedly they know it's a bad idea. Undoubtedly, they, you know, they know it's not safe and they're, they're going to risk getting caught and things like that. But there's something in their head that still forces them through with those decisions and those actions. Very and true. that's the fucked up part that needs that, to that be is. fixed and, and that, addressed. And that's why we don't have enough mental health workers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you ever looked into what it, what it takes to be a counselor? No. If uh, If I wasn't so far into my uh, master's in criminal justice. I would drop that and I would have, uh, uh, I I would have picked up a psychologist to be a, to be a uh, psychologist. Problem is, do you like school? No. But is there something you can do to help somebody deal with issues? Absolutely. So what what do you need? What do you need to be able to help somebody? I don't need anything. Like I just need to show up. But society True. Do you know what I mean? It's society so, that says you need so this, that, or the other. Actually, I don't know about that. I don't know about it. So I just did this crisis intervention class. And back in the 60s and 70s, they, they were trying to... Um, bring in more people that were not necessarily actually dated back further than that. I'd have to get the textbook at home to tell you exactly, but, uh, you don't have to be a mental health professional to help somebody like you and I have experience helping people. Mm-hmm. I don't have a psychology degree. Do you No. but yet as cops, I'm required to help people. I'm supposed to help people in crisis. I'm supposed to help. I mean, cops aren't prepared for that. They're not, they don't have that, uh, 
there's some training, but they actually can be prepared for it. They can help. They can do those things. If you and I wanted to open up shop and call it, you know, Craig and Brad's uh, place of mental health helping, whatever, okay? <laughs> we got to come up with a better name. <laughs> Why not? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm... Anyhow, so... <laughs> Why can't we? Why can't you and I open up shop and help people uh, that are in crisis? Why can't we be? What? Why can't we? No, I'm not asking to to prescribe meds. I'm not asking. Uh, all I want to do is sit down, have a. Uh, have discussions with people because I think people will open up more one-on-one than they necessarily always do in groups. Mm-hmm. Groups are good. I'm going to say they're not, but one-on-one helps. And I don't want to take anything away from a psych, you know, psychologist who went to school for all those years and they have licenses and everything else. But, um, I think there needs to be a bridge in, in between there. Yeah. I think there needs to be something, you know, somebody with a professional or a advanced education of some sort, but maybe not all the way up to a master's to where they can actually help people and they're not going to get shut down by the state and they don't, I don't know. It, sure. Let's go have a license. Let's go pay some money to the state. <clears throat> whatever. But in the, at the end of the day, you know, there's people out there that want to help people, but they can't because, or for whatever circumstances, they're not going to get a master's degree in psychology to help somebody. So I don't know, but if you're going to deal with that, drug addiction issue, some things got to change. Yeah, Um, I agree. Like on a massive level. If you're going to legalize substances, then we have to have the answers as to what, when can people drive when they're, when they're, you know, what point can somebody drive? If you smoke a dope or if you smoke a joint, can you drive two hours later, an hour later? Can you drive right away with just one joint? However, the THC level in this strain is going to be different than this one. So at what level? We have to have those answers before we do all that stuff. But it's the same thing as alcohol, where Mm -hmm. you drink four beers and I drink four beers. You might be more impaired or I might be more impaired. Right. And our Mm -hmm. blood alcohol level might be, do you know what I mean? At four beers, mine might be over the legal limit and yours won't. Uh, all of these but, different variables and factors. True. So we just have to but come up with a set volumes, standard. There's volumes as to what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we know how alcohol is metabolized. We know what parts of the body it affects. We know... Yeah, we know all that about drugs too. Uh, not really. All those studies have been done. 
I think I think it's no different than mm. alcohol. We just come up with a set standard of if you have this level of, do you know what I mean? Because think about it. Like I could be shit faced, completely hammered, mm-hmm. and I could drive drunk, and everything would be fine. It's not until it becomes an issue that typically police officers get involved. Granted, you have the random traffic stop where you smell the odor and everything right. like that, and you run right. through tests, but. It's the same thing with any other substance where mm-hmm. there's plenty of people that are driving around completely fucked up on uh, prescription pills. Mm-hmm. And typically, you know, even in a regular routine traffic stop, you might not pick that up. It's going to be at some point where it becomes an issue and becomes a problem. So I think it's the same thing with al- with uh, illegal substances at this point where there's just a standard where you can have this amount in your system. And it just has to be a set standard because it's going to affect everybody different. And then if... If there's an issue, if you pull them over, if they're, do you know what I mean? They get called in or something like that, then it's addressed at that point. But I mean, but but again, the 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 problem is we don't know exactly where that standard is. In this training, the guy, one of the guys that uh, was presenting, he was from Washington State. He's over Department of Transportation or something like that. Anyhow. <clears throat> And in Washington, they have, I can't remember what the, it's like 0.5 some, nano somethings, which is a small, you know, something measured in the blood. Yeah. And they got that from Europe. Like when they, when the, when, when they put that together, they, they found that actually it was the, uh, the lobby that was pushing for legalized marijuana. They got that number from Europe. However, there are two different types of blood draws. In here in the U.S., we do one type of blood draw, which is a direct draw. There, I guess they they mix it. They get like X amount and they mix it with whatever to dilute it or whatever. So in Washington, they're driving around with like twice the amount of impairment that they are in, in Europe. So lawmakers have to understand what it is they're enacting. Yeah. And I just think we need to have more. (laughs) Well, definitely there's way more that needs to take place. Well, you know, I hate to say it this way because each state is their own, is their own entity, their own thing. But until the feds legalize this, man, we're not getting any, we're not going to get to that point until the feds legalize it. And I think we'll get there with marijuana. I think we will too. I I don't know when. And um, fortunately, it's still illegal in Utah right yeah. now. Yeah, that's going to change. And we'll roll with the punches and go from there. Yeah. Let me go back to the mental health workers though. And hopefully this will kind of tie in that whole what I was going to point out earlier. So you can have a high school diploma and go out and you can be a cop. And yes, you have training and every year we have training and we have lots of training. There's a difference between training and education. So you, uh, we, we go out and we investigate crimes and everything else. And police work is more complicated now than it was when I got in, 
I mean, and I'm sure when I was a rookie, it was more complicated than when my sergeant was a rookie. Yeah. And it evolves like that. But the standards really stayed the same over all those years. We do have better quality training. <clears throat> I, I will say that. We, the, the quality of training has increased too. But So we go and we investigate crimes and everything else. But then we go into court and you have cops that are going up against I shouldn't say they're going up against. That's you have people with, you know, seven, eight years of, of schooling who've done nothing but talk about case law for eight years, seven years. And you're going, you know, there's that adversarial thing in court. And things change. Things change a lot in in the legal profession a lot. So, yeah, I think having a little bit of a, of a, a little bit more education for education for officers. I think that's, that would be a good thing. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, like we were just talking about as cops, we show up when people are in crisis. Uh, I did that crisis intervention class and that's all, that's, what it was about it's about uh it's about cops interacting with people in crisis and we're cops are the ones that are supposed to to be there but do they necessarily have the education to to do it well even just the skill set like it's not a you know you could sit through a training like that mm-hmm. and walk away and still not be able to handle yourself in a in a crisis you know environment right. where something is really really fucking happening i think most of us though i think most of us deal pretty well with people in crisis yeah i mean <sighs> i you don't know exactly where it's going but we already send people that don't have a master's degree to deal with people in crisis. So why, so why can't people that don't have a master's degree, why can't they open up shop and help people that are in crisis? Yeah. You know, why can't, like I said, you know, Brad and Craig's (laughs) magic mental love shop. I don't know. But <laughs> I like it right there. <laughs> but, That's perfect. But you know, why can't people help people in crisis? Yeah, and I think we can, Brad. I think that's you know. Unfortunately, we're a capitalist society, so guess what? The mortgage got, has to get paid. Yeah. Um, but you have to have a professional license to do that, and it's not there. Yeah. So why can't we? You know. I think we can if we're gonna if we're gonna treat the root cause. Of the problem, then we need more people to treat the root cause. Yeah. But I've already done a lot of schooling, man. I'm not going back to get a, a psychology <laughs> degree. So, well, that's know. why I that's why I start all these interviews now talking about <clears throat> mental health, just simply as a way to spark somebody's uh, mind out there. You know, yeah. somebody that's listening, get them to think about it in a different way, get them to accept it within themselves, maybe open up a dialogue and a conversation with the people around them. Right. And, uh, that's the whole purpose of really everything I do with the podcast is just to get people thinking about things in a different way. Well, I, I, uh, I would love nothing more than to, 
than to uh, to be that guy to help out help out veterans. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, there's there's ways you can do it, and uh, maybe that's a cop out for me, but um, I don't know. I just I just think people should be able to. Uh, It's been done before in the past, just like marijuana was legalized once before. Somewhere it has evolved to where um, we can't do that. Like as as whatever, and maybe I just haven't looked at it enough, or or, or whatever. But you know, yeah, people help people helping people. That's all we need in yeah. the end. Because as a cop. Have I dealt with people in crisis enough? I think so. Um, let's let people help people in crisis. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, if somebody opened up shop without a license, they'd go to jail just like the guy that was smoking marijuana will too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, man. Let's go take a smoke break. All right. Let's do that. I appreciate it. No problem. It's, no uh, uh, what, what the fuck was it? It's police appreciation week. And you said it's military month. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's police appreciation week, military appreciation month. Yeah. And, uh, go hug a cop. <laughs> go, go, go hug a cop and <laughs> see how that works for you. <laughs> you no, know, uh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't go hug a cop. No. But if you want to show a veteran your boobs, feel free. <laughs> so there's that, you know, uh, Actually, I have a funny story about that. I won't share it now because, you know, some people may not think it's that funny, but I thought it was hilarious. So, yeah. Okay, man. Well, right. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. You could put bright, happy colors on the side of police cars and instead of a siren, play some happy music to get them to pull over and they'll still be upset. We are the closest country to anarchy in the world. I think that's why I picked law enforcement in the first place. It was just a way for me to serve... Keep your hands yeah. to yourself. Don't take other people's shit. Seems pretty straightforward to me. Brad and Craig's <laughs> magic mental love shop. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>